are four examples uh, actually in real life that I was a privy to. I can honestly say that I was not the cause of these, even though that I am not so innocent. I, I in my early in my career, I broke a lot of things in network. I'm sure, Mike, you've never had that problem. Um, <clears throat> oh, I've had some spectacular <laughs> breaks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I've, uh, yeah, it's, un, you know, it's unbelievable. Like you all, you don't remember your successes, but man, do you sure remember when you, you broke things? <laughs> uh, so, uh, this is actually a, a real example. And this, and, and the reason I bring this up is to start to get in the mindset of this presentation of the facts I'm trying to turn to point to you guys is that, uh, this was actually considered a Wi-Fi security issue. Um, in my experience. And this is what happened. An actual developer uh, was working on something. And as you know, in a rush, couldn't get something to work. So they disabled uh, secure FTP on a server. Well, he was connected to the airport Wi-Fi with the company laptop. Well, what happened was, is that that happened six years ago at that point in time. Uh, and we were, or, or the customer, excuse me, uh, had uh, an FTP server basically running unsecured. Uh, and then this came back as like, well, you know, it happened on the Wi-Fi, so this is a Wi-Fi security issue. Actually, and it's not. And I wanted to point out these tenants. Uh, so for you guys that are more security focused, uh, you, you, you can address this as well. Uh, but this has nothing to do with the Wi-Fi connection. Right. This is firewall rule, having the ability to turn that off, actually even the server being able to turn that off. Security policy, both human and process and procedure. This is all of those different levels of security failures that happened, had nothing to do with the Wi-Fi. In enterprise, large, large Fortune 500 or Fortune 10 companies, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a dedicated team and even an audit team and a review team and a process team for each one of these roles in security. Uh, for these small or mid-sized businesses, there is not. Uh, explaining those Wi-Fi security issues or just security issues in general, you know, it's good to compartmentalize where these things are at so you can really focus on just the Wi-Fi, which we're talking about today. So example two, uh, work from home call center agent uh, connects to a Wi-Fi, uh, to a neighbor's Wi-Fi. This is really relevant. We're going to show some slides here in a second. Uh, one of our uh, employees uh, in, in a in, at their location, at their work from home, and how many different networks there are and how easy this is to do now. They simply just hopped on the corporate email and they got a malware, right? You know, one of those, they, they just grab your attention. You know, there's something wrong in the subject line always says like, there's something wrong with your, your I-9 or your W-2 or your paycheck or, you know, uh, <laughs> did you, I need your access, you know, something real quick that actually generates that I'm not going to think about where it came from. I need to answer this real quick. Or my favorite, when I was with Fortinet, that was going around a long time that we hadn't seen in a long time, even at that time was, uh, you know, we were getting a fax. Uh, and and even though that you knew that no one was sending you a fax, uh, we still had uh, customers, you know, clicking it. And I even fell privy, uh, you know, uh, to it uh, in my personal life. I was like, oh, somebody sent me a fax. You know, and of course it was a, you know, an embedded malware, and, but you know, in the sandbox, it, it happens, but it's not anything with the Wi-Fi security, right? This is email filtering, this is climate AV. And then if you're lucky, you know, you can have some sandboxes actually send that out. <clears throat> Next one, uh, employee at headquarter connects to a corporate guest Wi-Fi. Right. Totally natural. Uh, sometimes your employees aren't allowed to connect to guests. Sometimes they are. Right. It depends on your policy. But in this in this point, it did happen. And they downloaded documents containing details of thousands of customers, personal information on an employee laptop. Again, this was considered a Wi-Fi issue. 
And you can see this as, well, why, why does the guest Wi-Fi have access to you know, this data? That's, in my thinking, not, not where it needs to go. It needs to be looked at this, is that why could that data actually be accessed and downloaded, uh, especially um, unsecured or unencrypted uh, from a device? Again, the Wi-Fi was the one mechanism, uh, the transport of getting there, but there's a lot of other steps in there uh, that actually, you know, need to, to fill those gaps, right? Data loss prevention, admin access, and again, data encryption. <clears throat> and this is my this is my favorite because this actually did get blamed on Wi-Fi. <laughs> this was years ago. Uh, a storage engineer stopped at a coffee shop uh, just to to you know answer some emails, and then the rental car that he had, they actually broke in and stole the laptop bag. Well, the laptop bag contained hard drives of all the employee health records, and it was stolen. Uh, again, not a Wi-Fi issue, uh, but considered in the, in the realm of Wi-Fi. Again, different levels of security, right? Physical access, admin, security policy, data encryption, all of these policies were basically not followed in every one of these examples. And that was actually where the security you know, problem was. But since the medium, right, was there, that's where, where us as humans start to think of where the problem is. Oh, we need to not let people use guest Wi-Fi. Oh, we need to not let people, you know, connect to the guest network, right? That's that's where your brain goes. And that really isn't the fix for these issues. It's other tenants, right? So we're going to talk about why uh, Wi-Fi security actually, you know, gets blamed for for quite a bit. And a lot of that is is just the the misunderstanding of Ethernet, which is 802.3 on the IE, you know, triple E standards, and 802.11, which is wireless, they behave functionally completely different uh, from each other. And, and in fact, you know, an 802.11 AP actually does connect into an 802.3, so there is a conversion, uh, but they are completely different in how they uh, communicate with their clients and then how they communicate with the network, as we know. We, we tend to forget that. Um, but we kind of loop, loop them in together, and that is one of the main reasons. And the, the second point I wanted to make about Wi-Fi security is the, the thought of access and authorization. In those four examples, you can look at access and you can look at authorization uh, from a user level. But when we talk about Wi-Fi security, we are just talking about the station, STA, which is the wireless client, and the actual AP. That, that's, that's what is in scope for wireless security, right? Data prevention, data loss management, uh, malware, all of those examples have nothing to do fundamentally with Wi-Fi security. But what the mistake is, is that we think that Wi-Fi security with access authorization, we get these mixed up. So before we move into WIPs, we're talking about how these actually work. So this is a nice little refresher. To the bane of all existence for Wi-Fi engineers, Wi-Fi stations are always listening and looking for networks to join. They are always talking about networks they have connected to in the past. So this statement right here, they are always talking about networks they have connected to in the past. You can see it right here. It might be a little small, but you can see this device basically yelling, hey, I connected to Nico test once. Doesn't matter where he's at. Nobody cares <laughs> in this access. This is like the, the friend that has gone everywhere, done everything, been to every restaurant, and that's fine, but then there's the other friend that's done this, that's been everywhere, done anything, but that's all they talk about is everywhere and every place they've ever gone, right? Um, 
And this is a fundamental conduit for wireless and rogue APs and how you can, you can actually attack somebody. Uh, because even if you have a hidden network, that just means the AP is not broadcasting the actual SSID name. But guess what? The client that connected to it, you know, it is. And if you can scan that, you can get that information. Uh, we're going to talk about how you can actually just turn that around. And that's why rogue AP detection is so important. Uh, but this is the two tenets, right? Is that your Wi-Fi client, whether or not we like it or not, it's just the protocol, 802.11, completely different than Ethernet. They're always looking and listening for networks to join. And they are also always talking about the networks they've connected to in the past that can be used for bad, right? A, a wireless client, they discover the security policy through the beacon frame, extremely important. Also can be used for bad, right? All you need to do is just listen. And if you can listen and see it, you can get pretty much everything you need to know about how the policy is built. Notice this next step then completes authentication. So this is basically part of the four-way handshake, right? So the station discovers security policy through a beacon frame, then it completes an authentication. That doesn't mean authentication and as user concept, we'll talk about that here in a second, then it associates and then it will negotiate a security policy. So there's quite a bit of steps there before we actually get you know, to that that nice little locked four-way four, four handshake where you know information now is, is is encrypted there is a lot of things out in the open in wi-fi uh, based on the standard and that's how the standard does work uh that is open and can be actually used to to, to attack but there are actually some some pretty easy things to do to, to to mitigate that so again talking about security and i had mentioned earlier about a work from home users and uh, one of our employees this is uh, just a, a capture from the mobile eye on the client of the person's location. And you'll notice all these different colors. These are all different wireless networks being advertised in that person's location. They're actually in uh, an apartment building. Now, consumer Wi-Fi vendors uh, to, again, the bane of my existence and most, most of you engineers know is that they give you an ISP with a, with a wireless access point, either embedded or, or what have you, or somebody will then upgrade or, or buy something for wireless for their house. And they will be in a physical space and broadcasting a extremely strong signal. And so is everybody else. And then also they all go to default. So you can see right here that most of the people at this physical location are using probably the, and we'll, we'll show you here with scan data and also with WIPs and how WIPs patents work, uh, are actually on the broadcasting on the same channel. Uh, they don't have to, they just do, and they're not turned down. Now, is this a security issue on, on its face? No, this is more of a contention issue, but this this goes into some examples of, of how this can can be a problem in that in that example we talked about, somebody actually connecting to something they shouldn't have. I wanted to <clears throat> state again is that the access point, right? It advertises security in very different frames, right? So it does it in the beacon, it does it in the announcement, information response, and probe response. <clears throat> this is very important when it comes to how WIPs work uh, because different vendors will use a combination of different types of uh, advertisement and management frames on, on how they actually get their information. And we're going to discuss about this. 
Okay. So again, this is kind of a point I'm trying to hammer to death that authentication frame, it's confused with a type of user authentication. This is the station connecting to the AP. You know, that's that's inaccurate. A lot of, you know, that's, it, it's not user authentication, right? <clears throat> it's part of the open system standards. It's right from the station and the AP. Again, I'm picking some highlights. I've kind of cherry picked some different highlights of the four-way handshake protocol. Uh, so authentication message, right? There's two of them and they're done by the, the station, right? First, in the initial state, again, the station is neither authenticated or associated. This is where rogue APs and bad actors live right here. They're just sitting in this environment, listening and waiting to hear and clients are also sitting there talking about all the different networks that they've had uh, and also uh, broadcasting, uh, you know, and, and looking for, for other networks, right? And so an example, this Wi-Fi station, every time it has its MAC address as the, <clears throat> the source and the, the transmission address, and then the, the destination address and the receive address will be the target BSSID. And so again, you can see this in the example in this probe request, Right, so you've got the receiver address, just broadcast, broadcast. Who is this? Well, this is actually a client, right? And it's also, you know, the client and the source are the same. But what I can see here is that this client is basically, you know, just yelling, you know, it's like it's like playing cards. You know, who has any sevens? Who has any seven corp? Who has any seven guests? Uh, who has any Nico test, right? This is about that client, right? So we see this client right here actually saying, you know, I was connected to a network once and I am nowhere near that network, but I don't know that, right? That's the standard, but I'm going to broadcast this network anyway, if I have it. And then this is basically like, well, does show me all your cards, right? I, I don't know who's, <laughs> who's out there. Everybody respond back. And you'll see in the next slide that your APs will respond back to this. This is natural. This is, this is how it's meant to do. It's also very important to know that when the stations start, the startup process is, is where they is where they get you. You know, it starts by passive and active scanning. This is a, a basic fundamental of Wi-Fi, and this is something that is you know very important to, to to wrap your head around. And the first method is by passively scanning, right? For for BS to join, got some more information here. The second method, again, the client's doing two different things: is active scanning, probing it for a specific network, right? So you can see for specific networks and also for, you know, anybody, right? And then the station basically waits to response, right? And that is the probe response uh, from the AP. And then it's unicast to the actual, the actual uh, client. And again, here we see it on the other way. So we see our, and this is from this morning, taken at our office in Cleveland, one of our access points, which is obviously extreme, is answering you know, everybody's requests and these happen really, really quickly. And again, you can see all of it right here. You'll notice that there's no Nico test right here because that is not a corporate network in this environment that, you know, this person had asked for because obviously, you know, we're not a part of that. But again, this is, you know, getting that framework of how the Wi-Fi, you know, client station actually, you know, that four-way handshake is is so important and so critical to to conceptually understand uh, and to to build your security feature around it. So, with that quick review of just how the client and the stations you know, communicate right off the bat, let's talk about wireless intrusion prevention. So, the the textbook definition 
is uh, it's a system used to detect and prevent unwanted intrusions by detecting and preventing rogue APs. Uh, wireless intrusion prevention, there used to be a wireless intrusion detection. Detection would identify, it wouldn't stop. Protection means it identifies and then actually stops. Here's a key tenant to WIPs. <clears throat> uh, every vendor does preventing a little bit different and detecting. It is your right as a consumer of, of this product, and especially if you are responsible for the secure uh, communication of your network and secure transmit of your network to know exactly how those vendors do that. And I'll have this in a later slide. Do not, uh, again, this is just from, from me. Uh, I do not let people tell me that it's just in the secret sauce or it's patent. You know, that, that's fine for, you know, first level conversations. But once I'm at, once I am using that vendor's product, uh, to best of my abilities, I really want to know how a, a WIPS device actually, I, you know, simple things. How did, how does it detect? What does it use? What protocols does it use? What, what language? And then if it does have patents, uh, I want to know how those patents work. And if you guys have ever read a patent, I actually have a, a link to your one here in the next slide. And I think the patent description is one of the best summaries for every technology out there because it actually has to be pretty high level. So you get a really good idea uh, of how that works. And so the question, the questions that you ask for your whips is like, okay, so how do you know what AP is actually a Cisco device, right? Just, just that simple question. It could be answered real quickly as, oh, it's secret sauce or it's all on the standard. Huh, okay, well, do you look at the OUI, right? So we, we show right here, right? We're able to pick up you know, based on, based on the MAC address, the actual name, or, you know, do you actually pull that uh, out of the beacon frame, right? This is, doesn't really get way into the nuances because also this helps you understand how to design your network, especially when you have a WIPS device that is doing not just dedicated, uh, but sporadic uh, scanning. Uh, this is great information to know from an architectural design and then also to really understand how your security posture works, because there's 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 two things that that got that can get you in the Wi-Fi security uh, space in my in my opinion in my experience, and that is having a employee owned asset connect to an AP that it shouldn't. That's basically one tenant. The second tenant is having you know, some rogue AP connect into your network and then allowing somebody to actually connect with credentials and what have you. I think those are the two main focuses for wireless security. Hey, Mike, uh, I, I was curious if you had any any thoughts on those on those two. Is there anything about the, you know, the, the general idea of, of Wi-Fi security 101 uh, besides those two main tenants that you can think of? Um, well, something that I've been <clears throat> kind of sitting here thinking about is, you know, with uh, with an Ethernet network, you can provide physical security. You can lock up the the ports. You can you can put the cables in uh, in rigid conduit and mm -hmm. physically secure it pretty well. With with wireless, you know, it, it's all kind of hanging out there and there's no way to physically secure it so um it, it makes it important to uh to really consider these these security issues in a way that 
um, you know, maybe isn't quite so so important with Ethernet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great feedback, Mike. And and that's uh, we all you know started from the wired uh, environment usually. Um, ones have been around for a while and. Uh, you know, you you start to intertwine the idea that Ethernet and wireless are very similar because uh, they they really kind of do the same thing. The only difference is is that you know one's through the air and one's one's not, but they work completely different, and it's a whole you know different mindset about actually securing it. What what I like to to, to show in this Wi-Fi 101 is that securing Wi-Fi is actually pretty easy in my opinion and you if you just look at it from securing the wi-fi once you start talking about data integrity you know talking about you know access and and antivirus and malware that leaves the realm of wi-fi security uh, we'll probably have some more in-depth uh webinars on the actual authentication methods and and some of the checks and balances that each standard uses and some of the drawbacks uh, with that, uh, but you know that that piece of security, at least in in my opinion, is actually you know pretty pretty sound to to to, to cover, especially if you have WIPs. Uh, WIPs used to be a luxury. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of a lot of vendors now, a lot of um, wireless access point providers are actually now adding WIPs into their environment by having a dedicated radio, or by having a radio actually go and scan. Uh, again, this is something that you want to know about your devices, because if your wireless access point has a certain amount of radios and it is servicing wireless stations, uh, but also you know doing scanning, it can't do both at the same time. So you you need to to be aware of that and you know in design or at least understand your network from that point. If you have a wireless access point that has a dedicated WIPS radio. Uh, you know, and then it's scanning all the time, then, you know, that's great. And that's consideration, right, that you, you need to know. But you also need to know not just about active and passive scanning with when it comes to WIPs, or if you even have a third-party WIPs as well, you know, same thing applies. But you also need to know how that WIPs actually gets that information, right? That is that is incredibly important here. And as you can see from, from a mobile eye capture, which is that same that same scan, and then also from our Sapphire eye capture, you know, pulling clients actually connected out of the air, you know, you get quite a bit of information. And asking a simple question, how do I, how does seven signal know that this is an Apple box, right? As a consumer of seven signal product, Mike and I love nothing better to do is answer these type of questions. You know, every vendor has a sales engineering team or a customer support team, and they love to talk about their product. You as a consumer, you know, I'm like consumer advocacy here today on this <laughs> on this webinar. Uh, you, you have a vested interest and you have the right to talk to your sales engineer or, or that vendor support team and say, tell me exactly what you use they should be able to get that information to you or they will provide it to you by talking to saying, yeah, I don't know the answer. I'll find it, research it back, send you a document or get on the call to another team. You will make Mike Graham's day if you call him and ask him how Sapphire Eye gets, you know, able to pick up this Apple. Isn't that right, Mike? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so very important. I hope I'm not, 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 you know, kicking that one a little too hard. But I want you guys to see right here. So this is the example I've been talking about. This is the work from home. This is all of these different networks and they're in a, in a in an apartment location. Look how many 
SSIDs are being broadcasted. 194, it actually goes forever. You'll notice here with the vendor names, we're picking up vendor names, right? This is again from Mobileye, but we're, we're able to pull this out of the, out of the beacon frame. Uh, WIPs do the same thing, or sometimes they just say, you know what, I'm not gonna look at that frame, I'm just gonna tell you what the OUI is. Well, from security point of view, well, can I, can I, can I spoof that, right? Information that you, know, you might need not need to know from a daily basis, but it's good to know for your design. Uh, but you can see from your work from home environment, how many people have you know certain consumer vendor product and have you know most some have changed the name some don't again very easy to log into one of these and guess the root password and hop onto it very easy to go in and just make an ssid that says xfinity and leave it open and then have your employee that's working from home uh, as you're think about how your employees wireless stations doing, right? It's broadcasting. It's, it's asking, you know, who, you know, who do I connect to? And have I connected you before <clears throat> you can have that client connect right to it and say, Oh, look, you know, they not even think about them. I just connect with an open password. Now, how does, how does a whips, you know, have, have will solve that? Well, here, right, right here, this is from airtight and this is actually the patent. If you guys want to go look at it, uh, but you can actually set up in different whips. You can say, you know, Anything that is Cisco is broadcasting my corporate SSID. Anything that's not Cisco that's broadcasting that, that's a rogue AP and, and block it. So that's how you identify it. That's step one. Step two is how you block it. Completely different ballgame when it comes to WIPs. Some WIPs um, actually will send deauths. There's other really some cool stuff that WIPs will do uh, to, to actually suppress that connectivity. Uh, there is also a, another patent so where <clears throat> a client will, will connect and the WIPs is, is connected through the Ethernet and can determine whether or not that client is actually approved. You can do that by client make and model on a WIPs. So, and, and again, this, this starts to bleed into ICE and layer two MAC uh, filtering. This, and it starts to get a little bit blurry on, on where this uh, DMARC is, but there is quite a bit that a WIPs device, third party, or a WIPS device that's integrated into your, your wireless solution uh, can actually make actions and, and solve this. The point is, it's great to have WIPS and it's very, it's, in my opinion, I think it's affordable and it's a must have, especially in security, especially if you're doing physical security places uh, and, and, and you're responsible for that physical area, like a headquarters or an office. Uh, <clears throat> but from the work from home users, right, that, that Wi-Fi connectivity, Again, you know, uh, there's a lot of vendors now bringing the you know, uh, drop boxes, what a baseline column, uh, you know, all in one solution that, that launch a VPN connect you, you know, you still have to have Wi-Fi. We've got customers, you know, and, and we are hearing about people like, you know, not even using Wi-Fi or saying that Wi-Fi shouldn't be used. I, I think that's, that's a disservice to your employees, uh, you know, digital experience of having to plug into the ethernet when they could, you know, be somewhere else physically in their, in their location to work. Uh, security applies. You just have to have those other security features built in. Security in depth is what they say. So I, I hope that I have, uh, you know, in this in this quick time, I'm already running a little bit over. Have you know talked about you know some of the Wi-Fi security uh, examples and, and really how it, it a little bit gets blamed uh, on on Wi-Fi security. And it might not even be, you know, Wi-Fi security uh, at all. It might be just actually something else. 
and I, and I also would like for you guys to, you know, to think about how the Wi-Fi standard and how clients and APs actually interact with each other and how they, they start the process and how they communicate. And then use that into your into your logic on you know selecting or you know talking to your existing WIPs vendor. And if you don't know those questions of how the WIPs actually you know goes and and solve those, it, it's very easily answerable. A lot of people, you know, uh, in my opinion, with with working with vendors, not Seven Signal because we're very transparent. Uh, you know, some vendors don't like to to say that they just easily do A right? Oh, we just look at the, uh, the OUI and that's how we know it's a, you know, a vendor device. Sometimes people don't want to say that. Sometimes people don't want to say, oh, actually we're, we're licensing a product that's actually from our competitor, right? Um, that happens too. Uh, and they, they don't want to, you know, they don't, might not want to mention that in first go, but again, from my standpoint, you know, as a network admin, as a Wi-Fi admin, that that's your right. You know, especially when your, your feet are being held to the fire for, you know, when somebody, you know, the CIO, CEO, any ex, you know, admin manager team, uh, legal <laughs> risk management sits you down and says, are we secure? Is this network secure? Right. You want to be able, and it's completely on you and your team. And you want to be able to say yes. And if you're a manager of those teams, you want to be able to have your, your, your employees be able to like, yeah, we're absolutely, because I know, you know, that this works, you know, as much as detail as that I can, you know, I, I have a general override idea of <clears throat> what my wireless security posture is, and then also my intrusion prevention, you know, what my game plan is that, right? So with that, um, Mike, I, I didn't know if you wanted to do like a couple of few thoughts. I was um, gonna bring up the, uh, the Q&A, but uh, Mike, did you, wanna, did you wanna add anything? Well, I was, I was gonna, since I know that we're, we're running tight on time, jump to the, uh... The Q and A and and one that popped out at me is, you know, how to stop the searching station and only allow uh, one AP for connection or I suppose connection to your your network and Ooh. I don't really know of a way yeah. to do that. That's just yeah. not the way the protocol works. Yeah, that's right. Um, what some of our more security oriented customers and usually those are ones that have got you know some legal requirement to be more security oriented we'll run a vpn on on top of whatever the wi-fi security is so you connect to the wi-fi network and then you start up your vpn client and connect to the vpn server you know even when you're on the corporate network mm -hmm. uh, to provide that sort of extra layer of security um, or, or some other scheme similar to that that's at least that's what I've seen for, you know, kind of that enhanced security. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Mike. And that, that's a great question. And, um, you know, you, you've, you've got to work with the, the, the standard, right. And, and, and know the standard, know that that's how that, that it works. And you know, you've got to, you know, build that security in depth. Uh, a lot of times uh, I had a great manager years ago that would ask me, you know, what are you trying to solve? Right. And he would just keep asking that question, Mike, each time. Well, what are you trying to solve? What are you trying? And you just keep talking and you keep talking, keep talking. And then as 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 you, you pull that conversation, you're like, well, I just don't want my 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 cust my my employees, my my staff to actually be able to download personal identity information while they're at home. Right. So, you know, the solution yep. then is a completely different security product. Right. Um 
So sometimes, you know, just knowing and especially having a, a reseller, having a, a trusted VAR uh, that you work with. Oh, boy, they they love when you say, hey, how you know, I've got this I've got this need. I've got this requirement, this business requirement. You know, what are my options that the, the VARs love to bring in people like Seven Signal and all the others to sit there and show you, you know, their products that they could probably solve that solution. Um, but there's insecurity, which is what I like about most about security is that there's a lot of ways to actually secure what you need to and actually keep open, you know, what you don't. And it's very specific, Mike, like how you said.